according to scripture, through disobedience, the first created human beings sinned against God. And as a result, every one of their descendants comes into this world entangled by the yoke of bondage. In John 8.31, John 8.31, Jesus attempted to explain the yoke of bondage to the Jews. And these were believing Jews. However, they simply could not understand because they had not yet been converted. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. If you continue in my word, then then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we be Abraham's seed and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Notice they said, we were never in bondage to any man. So their response now is a clear indication that while Jesus was talking about spiritual things, their perception was physical, and carnal. Now, according to definition, bondage is restriction. The condition of being controlled by something that limits freedom. Bondage, restriction, the condition of being controlled by something that limits freedom. However, I challenge that definition. Because in my opinion... Limited freedom does not accurately define the condition of bondage. Limited is the imposition of some sort of restraint. Limited is the imposition of some sort of restraint. However, freedom is the ability to act freely without restraint. Freedom is the ability to act freely without restraint. So in placing these two words together, therein lies a contradiction. Would you agree? Because if one's freedom is limited, then one is not free. And if we apply the law of excluded middle, we understand that there is one is either free or they are not free and there's nothing in the middle. Amen? Therefore, We must not think of bondage as being controlled by something that limits freedom. I'll give you a better definition. We must think of bondage as being that which, that's, that's something that, excuse me. We must think of bondage as being controlled by something that inhibits freedom. Bondage inhibits freedom. To inhibit is to stop something or not allow it. To inhibit is to stop something and or not allow it. Therefore, we can say that with the exception of Christ Jesus, every human being born after the first created human beings are born, is born in bondage. We're saying that every human being is controlled now 
by something that stops and does not allow them to be free. Which is how the New Testament scriptures define human bondage. Romans 8.15. Romans 8.15. Paul says, that which inhibits human freedom is the spirit of bondage. It's Romans 8.15. He says, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. You have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. So what we see then here is that bondage is a spirit. Which in this context is a disposition or an influence which fills and governs the soul. Spirit in this context is a disposition or an influence that fills and governs the soul. A disposition now is the tendency to act in a particular way. Disposition is the tendency to act in a particular way. Influence is that which affects. That's with an A. Influence is that which affects. Thus, the spirit of bondage affects human beings such that it causes them to act in a particular way. The spirit of bondage inhibits human beings and does not allow them to act freely. And the Bible reveals the ways in which the spirit of bondage inhibits freedom. The Bible reveals the ways, some of the ways. And we're going to look at at least three of them. The bondage of fear, the bondage of corruption, and the bondage of deception. The Bible reveals these are some of the ways that the spirit of bondage inhibits our freedom. The bondage of fear, the bondage of corruption, and the bondage of deception. Now, we just heard Paul say what? For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. So fear is one of the ways the spirit of bondage inhibits freedom. Fear is one of the ways the spirit of bondage inhibits freedom. In the Greek, fear is phobos, P-H-O-B-O-S, phobos, from which we get the term phobia. Ever heard that term before? Phobia? Phobia is dread, to feel frightened or extremely worried about something that might have not even happened. To feel, excuse me, phobia, to feel dread, to be frightened or extremely worried about something that might happen in the future. Hasn't happened yet, but it might happen. And that's fear. That's worry. So very often now, when a captive is held in bondage, what will the captor do? Torture them. Well, one of the ways the spirit of bondage tortures the captive soul is with the torment of fear. How do I know? John says fear hath torment. First John 4.18. First John 4.18. He says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Why, John? Because fear hath torment. So it's tormented to be frightened or extremely worried about the future because the future hasn't even happened. Two of the greatest inhibitors of freedom is to be simultaneously frightened and worried. You can be afraid and not worried. However, worry is almost always coupled with fear. Now, worry occurs over a period of time. 
worry can wear you out. Because it goes over a period of time. This means that because of worry, one can be in a constant state of that inhibits freedom is the fear of death. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also likewise took part of the same. Why, Paul? That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their time, lifetime, subject to bondage. Is that what it says? And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Once you're saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost, you have no reason to fear death. None at all. You've been you repented of your sins. You've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. You have the spirit of holiness dwelling in your soul. You have the spirit of life in your soul. And you may die once, but you'll never die again. As one writer says, and I quote, All men naturally fear death. People who know not God are in continual torment through the fear of death. See, if you know God, you don't have to fear a thing. And they fear death because they fear something beyond death. That puzzled uh, Shakespeare. He said, the undiscovered country, whose born no traveler returns, puzzles the will and makes cowards of us all. So he couldn't think, he thought about it too. So the writer goes on to say, they are conscious to themselves that they are wicked and they are afraid of God and terrified at the thought of eternity. We don't have to be terrified at the thought of eternity. As a matter of fact, we look forward to eternity because we know all of this will be over. He says, because people naturally fear and worry about death, they are in continual torment. Fear coupled with worry is exactly what it is. Continual torment. So the spirit of bondage torments souls with the fear of death. And this is one of the ways the spirit of bondage inhibits freedom. One of the ways the spirit of bondage inhibits our freedom, inherits one freedom, is fear. You can't even think straight when you're afraid and worried. Now, the next way is the bondage of corruption. The bondage of corruption. Romans 8.21 Romans 8.21. Are you getting something out of this? Good. Talking about the deliverance of those who are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, Paul says, talking about us, they shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. We are in a place of glorious liberty. The bondage of corruption is irreversible. The bondage of corruption is an irreversible condition of the mind and the body. In the Greek, cor corruption is phthora. Corruption is phthora. Spelled P-H-T-H-O-R-A. P-H-T-H-O-R-A. Pronounced Phthora. What is it? It's the process of decay and destruction. Phthora. Corruption. The process of decay and destruction. 
So sin, that's what sin did. Sin placed the human mind and the body in a state of perpetual destruction. From the moment of birth, from the moment of birth, the mind and the body are in a progressive state of decline. This is bondage because corruption, this is bondage, because corruption progressively inhibits the vitality of life in the mind and the body. Corruption progressively inhibits the vitality of life in the mind and the body. And not only does the bondage of corruption affect the mind and the body with progressive decline, it corrupts the soul through the lust of the flesh. Not only does the bondage of corruption affect the mind and body with progressive decline, it corrupts the soul through the lust of the flesh. 2 Peter 1.4, 2 Peter 1.4, as he talks about what happens to those who receive the divine nature, he also says what, what they have escaped. Once you receive the divine nature, he says you have escaped. You have done what? You have escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Once you've received the divine nature, you have escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Lust. Lust is the inordinate desire that corrupts one's being with the insatiable appetite for physical satisfaction. Lust is the inordinate desire that corrupts one's being with the insatiable appetite for physical satisfaction. In Galatians 5.19, Galatians 5.19, Paul says lust is demonstrated how? By the works of the flesh. He says, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred. These are prime expressions of the corruption that is in the world through lust. And each one places someone in bondage. Each one is a place of bondage. For example, the first two, adultery, being married but sexually intimate, excuse me, being married but sexually intimate with someone other than a spouse. And fornication, being sexually intimate with another. These two are the most common places of bondage. These two are the most common places of bondage. And believe it or not, in this wicked world, there are actually agencies that capitalize on the lust of the flesh by arranging adulterous marriages. So if you're a married man and you want to cheat on your wife, you can call this agency and find a woman that wants to cheat on her husband. And they'll set it up and make money from it. So this tells us that there are so many people in the bondage of adultery that someone can make a living from it. And we know prostitution has existed for thousands of years. And for thousands of years, many have made a living from it. So these are prime expressions of the bondage of corruption that is in this world through lust. I hope this is making sense to you. So now, we understand that fear and corruption are at least two ways the spirit of bondage inhibits human freedom. 
There is at least one more way. One more way it influences and inhibits. It's the bondage of deception. The bondage of deception. Second Peter 2 1. Second Peter 2 1. Second Peter 2 1. He says, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Now, earlier we mentioned that spirit can be the disposition or influence that fills and governs the soul. We also determined that a, a, a spirit is a disposition, a tendency to act in a particular way, and we understand that influence is, an effect, is to affect, to, to influence. Well, the doctrines, listen, the doctrines of deception are prevalent in the false prophets and teachers. They were, excuse me, the doctrines of deception were prevalent in the false prophets and teachers of Peter's day. And the same doctrines of deception are prevalent in the false prophets and teachers of our day. And Peter says, privily they shall bring in damnable heresies. In the Greek, privily is Parisago, Parisago, P-A-R-E-I-S-A-G-O, Parisago, P-A-R-E-I-S-A-G-O, Parisago. It means to introduce or bring in craftily, using or involving cunning, cunning or trickery to deceive people. Privily, to introduce or bring in craftily, using or involving cunning or trickery to deceive people. So, involving cunning and trickery, false prophets and teachers will speak words that will affect people with deception. They will lead people into false beliefs. They will persuade people to believe things that are untrue or unreal. That man that was running the country before our president told his vice president, you're too honest. Told him, you're too honest. You tell the truth and people think you're stupid. But you know what? He's right. Because people don't like truth. People think you're stupid when you tell them the truth. I say it all the time. I know I sound like a broken record. Lie to me and I'll love you. I'll just love you to death. Tell me the truth and I will hate you with hatred. Deceive me. I want to be deceived. Trick me. I want to be tricked. Use craftily cunningness on me. I want to be, be tricked. I used to work for a, a man in a liquor store. He says they want you to take them. He says they want you to take their money. And so that's what he would do. He would take their money. Overcharge them too. And they know he was overcharging them, but they didn't care. Hmm. So in Peter's day, people were led and persuaded into believing damnable heresies, things that were untrue and unreal. And pointing toward the future, he says, and many shall follow the pernicious ways of the false prophets and teachers. Pernicious. 
pernicious. In the Greek is apolia. Apolia, meaning of money. Apolia, A-P-O-L-E-I-A. A-P-O-L-E-I-A. It means of money. Referring to those who determine to be rich. So in an effort to get rich, false prophets and teachers will delude people into believing that the gospel of Christ is about having a lot of money. False prophets and teachers will delude people into believing that the gospel of Christ Jesus is about having lots of money. And people will follow their insatiable desires for wealth. I was thinking about that brother said you got to have money consciousness. You got to have that, that, that money consciousness. Then there was another man, on, uh, he had a big, big dome place on, on, on Vermont. He used to say, you got, Rose, you got Ford faith, I got Rolls Royce faith. You got Ford faith, I can't help that, I got Rolls Royce faith. He was a Trinitarian too, that's why he said that. He was a Trinitarian and he had Rolls Royce faith. Because God, his God was not the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. His God was the God of this world. His, God, his God's name was Benjamin. Second Peter 2.17. Second Peter 2.17. Peter says this about him. He says, talking about the false prophets and the teachers of his day and our day. He says, these are wells without water. What good is a well if there's no water in it? No good. Then he says, clouds that are carried away with a tempest. They're just full of air. To whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. There's a place for them. Every last one of them. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lusts of the flesh. Through much wantonness, those that were clean escape from them who live in error. While they promise liberty... They themselves are the servants of corruption. Is that what it says? While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought into bondage. He's saying they're in bondage and don't even know it. He says these false prophets, these teachers are wells without water. He says they're servants of corruption. And this is the same bondage of corruption that is in the world through lust that he spoke of in chapter 1 verse 4. Same bondage of corruption. Because it's still lust. Lust of money. Lust of the flesh. Lust of the eye. Pride of life. He says false prophets and teachers will speak great swelling words and allure through the lusts of the flesh. This is very, the very thing that is happening Today, woman, thou art loosed. It's time for you to get yours. The sweet by and by will take care of itself. I want mine now. Hmm. The spirit of bondage has a tight grip on their minds to the point that they cannot receive the true gospel. That same one said, I got saved, I got converted in a oneness church. But I believe now that it's inconsistent with scripture. 
Yeah, it was inconsistent with scripture because Lifeway Bookstore said if you if you don't if you start keep on preaching oneness, we're gonna take our books out of take your books out of our store. So he realized it wasn't it was not only was it inconsistent with scripture, it wasn't consistent with his pocketbook. Yeah. So it has a tight grip. They can't conceive the true gospel. They won't receive it. First Timothy six nine. First Timothy six nine. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. I don't see how anybody could 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 could, could, could travel in one of them. One of them. One of them. One of them commercial planes. You're in that tube with all those demons. I've got to have me a Learjet. I'm a jet man. And you know what? God wants me to have a jet. As a matter of fact, he wants me to have two jets. To park in my garage next to my two Bentleys. I can't help it if that's not what you want. But that's what God wants for me. (laughs) Perdition. He says, they that be rich fall into temptation and a snare. Through perdition, through their perditious ways, the spirit of bondage has snared and caught them. And they don't even know they're caught. They're in bondage to the foolish and hurtful lust that will drown them in destruction and perdition. Destruction in the Greek is olethros. Olethros. O-L-E-T-H-R-O-S. 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 It refers to those who will spend eternity in hell for their pernicious ways. O-L-E-T-H-R-O-S. Referring to those who will spend eternity in hell for their pernicious ways. Now we have perdition now, which in the Greek is apolia. A-P-O-L-E-I-A. A-P-O-L-E-I-A. It's similar to pernicious. But listen, in this context, it is of one who desires to be rich by any means that leads them to destruction. Pernicious. Apolia. One who desires to be rich by any means which will lead them to destruction. It's like Judas. Judas is called the son of perdition. Why? Because he betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Well, in 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. He says, let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Right now, at this very moment, there is a great falling away. People are being deceived. They're being seduced. They're being led astray and persuaded to reject the gospel of Jesus Christ in truth. The man... The man of sin, Elder, he's on the scene. The man of sin is on the scene. And this man is not necessarily a single individual 
but a spirit. It's an influence that influences the minds of people to choose prosperity instead of the gospel of Christ Jesus. For just as Judas betrayed Jesus for money, just as Judas betrayed Jesus for money, today, the organized religionists, because they're not Christians, are betraying him for money also. Referring to this spirit of perdition who will have people follow his pernicious ways, 2 Thessalonians 2, 4, Paul says, Speaker talking about this son of perdition, this spirit who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God and that is worship so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God. This spirit, this desire for wealth, this, this uh, the desire for, for, for material things is a spirit that has actually invaded the temple of God. It has invaded the churches. It has invaded and it is a spirit that is pervasive. And if you're not preaching it, no one wants to hear you. The spirit of perdition has taken over the pulpit. He has exalted himself and people worship him because he has made himself a symbol of wealth. If the man in the pulpit has a lot of money, he's driving two Bentleys and has a Learjet, people will flock to him and follow him. But if he's got a little church on, on Dan Danziger with, with, with 25 members and they all safe, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost, Nobody wants to be in there but those who are safe, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. Paul says, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonder. Told you, lie to me. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Why, Paul? Because they receive not the love of the truth. That they might be saved. They received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion. That they should believe a lie. That, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So the spirit of bondage has influenced people. Actually, it's the spirit of, yeah, the bondage of deception has influenced people to the extent that they reject the only thing that can free them from its grip. The spirit of bondage has influenced people to the extent that they will reject the only thing that can free them from its grip. They are damned because they will not believe the truth of God. Instead, they take pleasure in the lusts of their flesh that shall lead them to eternal destruction. And because they will not hear the truth of the gospel, you know what the consequences is? It says God sends them strong delusion. In other words, they will be led so far from the truth that it will be nearly impossible for them to be saved. Did you hear that? They will be led so far away from the truth that it will be nearly impossible for them to be saved. They're in bondage. The false prophets and prosperity teachers are in bondage and they don't even know it. 
I'm reminded of what we heard Peter say. He says, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, for of the same he is brought in bondage. So he says, false prophets and prosperity preachers are the servants of corruption. They're servants of corruption. In other words, they're slaves. They're slaves to the bondage of their own lies and deceit. They've lied so much they believe their own lies. They've deceived folks so long that they've deceived themselves now. They're slaves to the bondage of their own avarice. Slaves to the bondage of their own greed and desire to have. They are slaves held in the bondage of strong, strong delusion. They teach lies and believe the lies they teach. They teach lies and believe the lies they teach. And they say, I've heard them say that. If you tell a lie so long, uh, uh, for so long, people will believe it. But they lie, have lied for so long, they even believe it. Paul prophesied that this would happen. 1 Timothy 4.1. 1 Timothy 4.1. 1 Timothy 4.1. He says, now the Spirit, capital S, which means the Holy Ghost, speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So now we see that the spirit of bondage has souls in the bondage of fear. The spirit of bondage has souls in the bondage of corruption. And the spirit of bondage has souls in the bondage of deception. But there are some souls that are on this earth right now and or sleeping in their graves. They've been set free from the spirit of bondage. The scripture refers to them as a remnant. The scripture says they are a remnant. Romans 11.4. Romans 11.4. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Even so, then, at this present time, also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Is that what it says? So speaking metaphorically, the Lord says, I have reserved for myself 7,000 men. Well, we know what seven is, don't we? Seven is the number of completion. So and so in 7,000 in relation to humanity is a fraction. It's a remnant, but it is the completion of his body. And like the 7,000, this remnant will not bow to the image of Baal. Baal. Baal, B-A-A-L. He was the Phoenician god of carnal desire and material wealth. Baal, the Phoenician god of carnal desire and material wealth. And he's the god that Jezebel infused into into Hebrew culture. She worked it in to Hebrew culture. And the dogs ate her body. 
They ate her entire body, left her head in her hands. And so at this present time, there is a remnant, according to the election of grace, that will not give heed to seducing spirits and the doctrine of devils. That's us in. At this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace that will not exchange the truth of God for the deception spewed from the servants of corruption in their pulpits. I'm going to say that again. At this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace that will not exchange the truth of God for the deception spewed from the servants of corruption in the pulpits. At this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace that is no longer in bondage. At this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace that is not led by the spirit of bondage. We are led by the spirit of God. For as many are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Why, Paul? For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, because the creature itself all shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. We are the children of God. We have been liberated from the bondage of corruption. We've been liberated from the bondage of corruption. We've been liberated from the bondage of deception. We've been liberated from the bondage of fear. We've got the love of God in us, and the love of God casts out all fear. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We who've been born of the water of the, of the, born of the water and of the spirit, we make up the remnant according to the, uh, the election of grace. We are free according to the election of grace. Free from the bondage of fear according to the election of grace. Free from the bondage of corruption according to the election of grace. And we are free from the bondage of deception. How? According to the election of grace. We've been elected and selected. We've been called out of darkness into the marvelous light of the love of Jesus Christ. We've been delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. We are delivered. You ain't got to pray for deliverance. If you repented of your sins, if you've been baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, if you're full of the Holy Ghost, then you've been delivered. You've been delivered from sin. You've been delivered from uh, uh, unrighteousness. You've been delivered from lasciviousness. You've been delivered from fornication. You've been delivered from lying. You've been delivered from adultery. You've been delivered from stealing. You've been delivered. You've been delivered out of the hands of the enemy. He can't touch you. He can't put his hands on you. You've been delivered. Even my liver's been delivered. That's how delivered I am. We are free from eternal mortality and corruption. This mortal body shall put on immortality. This corrupt body shall put on incorruption. Sin's going to lose its grip and death is going to lose its sting. Now, when one is in bondage, freedom comes in one of two ways. One is either released and made free, 
or one escapes. But either way, one gets free. Well, those of us who make up the remnant have received both. By the power of the Holy Ghost and the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, we have been released from the fear of death. And we have escaped the wrath that is to come. We've been released from the fear of death and we have escaped the wrath that is to come. And guess who took care of all of this? The Holy Ghost arranged our release. He arranged our release. Says he's our advocate. He arranged our release. But he also facilitated our escape. (laughs) He arranged our release and facilitated our escape. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for he is with me. He is with me. His spirit of life dwells in my sanctified soul. And his precious blood has cleansed me from corruption. Acts 2.26, David is quoted. Acts 2.26. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither wilt thou suffer thy Holy One to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. And then the scripture goes on to say David was not really speaking of himself, but of the resurrection of Christ, who followed the course of human destiny by descending into hell. However, because Jesus was without sin, death could neither hold him nor, no, death could not, uh, 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 death could, because he was without death, Excuse me, because he was without sin, death could neither hold his soul in bondage, nor could it corrupt his flesh. If Jesus had not re-entered that body, that body would still be lying there in a fresh state as it was on that day when they laid him in the tomb. His body would not see corruption because there was no sin in his body to corrupt it. And what we must understand is that because death could neither hold his soul in bondage, nor corrupt his his flesh... When he appears, when he appears, the remnant, according to the election of grace, shall be like him. Why? He has shown us the ways of life, and we believe him. He has shown us, the, in his word, he has shown us the ways of life. And he has manifested himself to us by infilling us with the Holy Ghost. Therefore, he will not leave our souls in hell. As a matter of fact, our souls won't even see hell. Hmm. And by his righteousness, by his righteousness, our flesh shall not see corruption. And now as Paul told the Christians at Galatia, so I tell you. Stand fast. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. 
and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. We are free. Why? For whom the Son sets free is free indeed. In truth and reality, we are free. And if you're free, don't go back to the yoke of bondage. Why you want to be yoked back in all that stuff that you just got out of? Peter talked about this. Uh, the dog has gone back to his vomit and the sow is back to wallowing in the mud. Why would you want to go back to all of that? You were miserable. But your flesh liked it. Your, fle- your flesh likes to be miserable. Be not entangled. Don't allow yourself to be tangled up with fear. Don't allow yourself to be tangled up with lust. Don't allow yourself to be tangled up with deception. You've been set free from all of that. He says, stand fast, be fixed, don't move. Don't allow this world to affect you through the spirit of fear. Don't allow this world to seduce you through the spirit of corruption. Don't allow this world to delude you through the spirit of deception. The spirit of the Lord dwells in your sanctified soul. And he has not given you the spirit of fear. What has he given you? He's given you the spirit of love. He's given you the spirit of power. He's given you the spirit of a sound mind. And a sound mind recognizes fear for what it is. And I like what they say, and it's really true. Fear is false evidence appearing real. And that's true. Because when you're afraid of something, it hasn't even happened yet. Fear is torment, as, as, as John said. We've been, we've been delivered from that. We've been set free. Don't go back to that. Don't go back to that. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Leave it there. Hmm. The Spirit of the Lord is in you. Is he, he's in you. 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 And he's in me. Stand fast, therefore, and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Let's give the Lord some praise. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you that you have delivered us from the spirit of bondage and set us free into the marvelous liberty of your love, your peace, and your joy. Thank you for this word in Jesus' name. Anyone in need of prayer this morning? All right. Questions or comments? Questions or comments? I hope you got something out of this.